Are you an upper bottom? Have you heard of the term? It means your boozing's brought you close to disaster, but not rock bottom yet. Well, if you think you're an upper bottom, please come and join us. That's Ollie Pickup, an award-winning journalist and my party partner in crime for many years. And he's Dan Orsessi, a.k.a. Sess, a publican turned podcaster. As we take a clear-eyed look at drinking and going sober. Expect warming wisdom and hearty honesty with shots of hilarity each week as we share embarrassing drinking tales and unusual observations on this journey without alcohol. We'll also have expert guests revealing secrets of the science behind alcohol addiction, plus interviews with fellow non-drinkers, and we'll be considering how our society and culture are absolutely saturated in booze. We're living proof getting sober doesn't have to be dull and dreary. No tragic rock-bottom tales here. Just bittersweet truths serve with a refreshing splash of humour for anyone rethinking their relationship with alcohol. Bottoms up, let the fun begin! Cheers! Cheers. Hello, episode two, the Tuft second album. <laughs> but uh, encouraged by the feedback from our first album episode, yeah, uh, it was overwhelming, important. wasn't it? Really, yeah, been amazing. Thanks ever so much to to all the the kind words and encouragement. Three three figure downloads, not bad for the start of the journey. I was we got some great positive feedback. I like this one. I thought it was excellent, interesting points made, and the conversation flowed well. Well done, kiss, kiss. And, and who's that from? That's from my mum. <laughs> but she did say, I thought it was brilliant, but then I am your mum. So, uh, hard to gauge. Yeah, and here's just one um, from a friend of, uh, of mine, Becky. Just finished a podcast, really enjoyed the chat. Felt like having a beer with you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's really good. And, and also, Becky mentioned... Um, well, she actually came back with an answer. We, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, can can alcohol be good for you? And there is, there is something um, on a Zoe podcast where Tim Spector talked about red wine being pretty much the only alcoholic drink you can drink in moderation that does have some health benefits for your gut. But apparently, that's about it. But yeah, something we'll look into in detail in yeah, the future for for sure. Mm. But seriously, if you are enjoying the podcast so far, I know it's still very early days, but please do pass the word on. And uh, and if you fancy it, leave a review. Five stars would be great. <laughs> um, and that'll help our reach and hopefully help more people as well. We have to say a thank you for um, to our friend of the pod, Rhino San, for his five-star review. About time, a decent podcast for the forward-thinking, modern, sober man. Not dry at all. And... Just a point of clarification, this is very much not just for men, not it's for, for, for women as well. Um, and also picking up from, from something that we mentioned last week, I asked what's the drinking age in private for, for kids. And um, in England, Scotland and Wales, it is not illegal for someone between the ages of 5 and 17 to drink alcohol at home or on other private premises. That is verbatim from drink aware so well, I mean, how do you know. fancy giving your five-year-old a, <laughs> a whiskey or whatever quite something um but uh talking of giving your youngsters whiskey at the weekend how was your weekend says oh well my weekend was very good i painted my eldest daughter's bedroom um a jolly yellow color uh, and also um, did a bit of painting myself which is something i've not done for 
decade, I think. We're talking about art. You you did some art. I did some art, yeah. I started a painting, which was um, unexpected. It was a very sunny afternoon, and, uh, yeah, I just kind of got on with it, which is... Which is great. Other than that, of course, uh, Sunday, as I always do, um, meet up with the other running dads of, of Broccoli. And we, what did we do? Well, you did more, but we did about 17k with, with, with the chaps. We meet up at seven o'clock every morning. And um, yeah, and we kind of chew the fat and um, discuss what's happened in the last week. And yeah, it's, it's really kind of become the place where we catch up with our friends, isn't it? A big social event, really, of the week now. Not the kind of Friday night in the pub. No. The, the, the Sunday, early doors, up with the up with the lark. Yeah. Quite muddy this last weekend, though, wasn't it? Was, it? It, was, <laughs> it was very wet underfoot. But, um, yeah, and, and, and thanks to all the encouragement from the, from the dads on the running group as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, my weekend, I had fun on Friday night. I met up with um, Lucas and, and Luce, two very good Dutch friends, they were over, they won some competition and got to go and see Tottenham versus Brighton. The big one, the mm. big ticket in town. Although Spurs did get a very late winner, so I'm sure they enjoyed that. But it's interesting, reflecting on my relationship with Lucas. This is a, a guy that I went travelling with when I was 18. So I've known him for well over 20 years. And yeah, we had some quite wild experiences in South America I remember we were, well, I think it was La Paz, so the capital of Bolivia, mm. lots of mining there. And we got given, we went on a tour of the silver mines and we got given this transparent bottle. And the guy said, look, you, you guys won't be able to handle this. You Westerners <laughs> won't be able to handle this. And uh, it was 80% proof. It was like aeroplane fuel. And so it was one of the groups, we were in a group of about, I think, 12 or maybe 15 and it was someone's birthday a couple of days later. So we sat in the lobby, ready to go out and have dinner for the, this guy's birthday. And someone brought out this bottle and said, well, come on, let's just have a little shot or two. What was it before called? We go out. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was... I'm pretty sure you can't get it, you know, here. <laughs> or maybe outside Bolivia. But um, we had a little, you know, bottle top each. And uh, none of us made it out, including the birthday boy. It was just that, that were you, potent. Were you, were you ill? Were you asleep? I think I think the birthday boy was definitely ill quite quickly, right there mm. in the lobby, and it, which is quite that embarrassing. And then, yeah, I think it just sort of knocked us all out. Um, but <laughs> that aside, I've had some other great um, boozy nights out, days out with Lucas. Um, I visited him in Amsterdam a couple of times for Queen's Day, as it was then. I think it changed to King's Day. What's 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 that? So then? so Queen's Day is a national holiday, and. Um, it starts off, everyone wears orange. They call it orange course, madness, yeah, yeah. which is the national colour, of course. And it starts off with kids selling stuff, uh, you know, toys and books and things. It's a flea market. Yeah. So, so the park's open, you can buy stuff. It's very much a carnival atmosphere. And, and throughout the day, it builds, more beers are consumed. And in Amsterdam, as in many Dutch cities, you know, there, there was there's a canal, people are on the boats, on yeah. the canals, there's, you know, fears and... And then, you know, you end up later in the evening, there's loads of live music, and then you go to the club. And before you know it, you know, it's, it's four or five o'clock in the morning. And one of the times, Lucas was, well, he just got together with his now wife, Anna Luce, and she didn't know where Lucas was. She assumed that he'd got into bed with me, actually, which is rather <laughs> amusing, as she told me on Friday. 
Um, but yeah, I couldn't find him in the morning either. I didn't know where Lucas had gone, and he, he actually nodded off on the loo. He was so wasted. But anyway, needless to say, Friday night was a bit more <laughs> reserved. We went for a lovely dinner in Shoreditch and uh, went to a bar afterwards for for a bit of boogieing. But uh, yeah, they they. I mean, I've seen Lucas uh, since I've stopped drinking, and um, he actually we went walking in, in Bristol last year, and he's oh yeah yeah, and he and he. Out of solidarity, I think, uh, didn't drink uh, for that weekend as well. So that was that was great. So lovely to see them. And um, we'll move on to the the question of the week. Yeah. Which is, what is cheat mode? That's it. What is cheat mode? Um, and this leads us on to a question from Chris Peachy, a friend of the pod. Um, and he asked us, it would be interesting to hear... Why you think you were drinking as much as you were, and whether you feel you lost out on anything since going dry, and if so, whether you found a replacement for that thing. So, uh, great question there from from Chris. Um, but in terms of what is cheat mode, yeah, I mean, perhaps you'd like to to take this because it's a it's it's a term that you mentioned. I, I, I guess you were a couple of months in. Yeah, I think so. Um, I remember. Well, the first big night out I had was uh, a gig up in Camden. Uh, Luke Una, who is who's actually kind of idle, mm. I suppose. He's been sober for mm. eighteen months or so now. I think, uh, having been having been an addict. I mean, he's he's all over social media talking about his various addictions. He's a DJ, right? He's a DJ, yeah. Um, and yeah, quite a, a, mm. a cultish mm. DJ. I mean, he's. Um, so anyway, that was just coincidental, but he had this gig on, went with a few friends of mine. I said, look, I'll drive. That seems that seemed to be a good idea, mm. so it didn't, I wasn't tempted to drink. Mm. And um, yeah, I had, had a lovely evening until about 11, 12 o'clock, I think, I, 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 sl- I slipped away. Um, I was getting jostled. Mm. I think I, in the space of about two minutes, I'd had either my non-alcoholic drink tipped um, or, you know, I was bumped into, I had my feet stomped on, you mm. know, fully realising that if I'd had, you know, a lot to drink, I would be the one who was stomping on other people's feet and bumping <laughs> into. So that that was quite interesting realisation. But also, on the way back, driving through London, I just, yeah, reflected that I didn't really miss out on anything. I remembered everything. I, I was able to articulate myself well. You know, the conversations were great and it did feel like I was, yeah. You were cheating. In cheat mode. That's yeah. right, yeah, on a, on a sort of video game or something. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good analogy for getting more done um, when you consider that quite a lot of the time that one would spend at the weekend would be in some form of recovery, I suppose, or certainly not at one's best. I think the idea that you could have all of those hours unimpaired especially you know like like us we've got kids we've got busy lives there's always so many things to do and if you're kind of doing some of those things almost with your hand tied behind your back because you got a headache and you're like no I'm fine no you know it, it makes life quite tricky so actually not having all those those breaks on your abilities and and kind of running at 100 percent rather than 70 percent felt like a cheat mode right think so and i think actually going to a gig made it a bit less awkward let's say yeah um 
because I don't know, we're we're the first night out to have. Uh, I if it were a night out with mates in the pub, the first one not drinking, it might have been a bit more awkward. Mm. But the fact that we were listening to music, it was it was a little bit different. It's because you've got the focus, haven't you? Yeah, you're not having to have the chats as much. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, I, I saw something. I think it was on social media the other day um, about how someone was talking about hangovers, mm. and the phrase was, "If you go out drinking, you're borrowing happiness from tomorrow," which which I thought was quite interesting. You're sort of over, overdrawn on that. Happiness, yeah. State. So there's, yeah, you, there's gonna, you're gonna be in, yeah, in debt, and your body and your mind is gonna be in debt. Yeah, well, I think there's certainly something in that. I mean, my, you know, going back to Chris's question on um, mm. why we thought that we were drinking so much, and and whether we felt we've lost out on anything. I mean, I, I think in ref, upon reflection, I think I've probably always drunk a little bit too much, and uh, you know. I think that's just what I did. I think it was the idea of, um, you know, just one glass of wine or, or one beer was not something that I ever did. So therefore, there'd always be some kind of price to pay and, and you know, generally just feeling a little bit rough the next day or that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I guess it was synonymous with leisure, relaxation, self-expression talking to people in the pub being being myself all these things um and and especially after becoming a parent i think some form of reward which is something that i've i've heard a lot when speaking to other people yeah i mean that's that's a really good point actually and i was going to say something about that because i found it easier i've tried moderating before i've done dry January and not had a problem really but it's it's when you try and moderate or when I try and moderate you've always you know looking to Friday let's say to give you that treat you're always counting the hours almost down to mm, Friday until right. you can can open that tinny or, or uncork the bottle and if you decide I'm not drinking I don't drink rather than I don't drink a right lot now. yeah that just takes that that treat, that idea of a treat, out your mind. And well, it's so much easier to manage your 100%, expectations. 100%. And this has been, I think, you know, for, for anyone thinking about this uh, as, as something they might want to do, I think it, it really enables you to live in the moment because instead of having this thought of, oh, this is going to be great at 7 o'clock when I can have a beer or this would be really nice with a glass of wine or it kind of forces you to, to be living very much in the here and now. And actually the reality is, is that everything's quite often really quite, quite beautiful. And, and there is yeah. beauty in the here and now and, and the everyday rather than this sort of saving up for the good time on, on some level. Well, I think that's, I, I found that and, and taking that off the table, literally and yeah. figuratively has meant that you, yeah, you do need to um, think of other things to fill that time but once you once you see that not as an imposition mm. but as a glorious opportunity to to really dive into whether it's new hobbies old hobbies new friendships yeah etc then it's just really empowering actually yeah and and you know we, we talked last week a couple of examples when maybe we thought we were drinking slightly too much but there was another one that i, I thought about and again it is kind of comes down to kids thing i think it was a you know maybe the first week of Feb, 
last year and my daughter had drawn a picture of a, of a glass of wine, a very nice picture of a glass of wine. And, um, and underneath she'd written, everything goes better with a glass of wine. And I remember, <laughs> and I remember thinking, I asked her, like, why, why, have, why have you done that? And she goes, well, you know, it's nice. a glass of wine's nice, isn't it? And of course, this is something that she'd picked up. Now, as we've discussed, alcohol's prevalent in, in society. And, and perhaps she, she'd kind of worked out that it quite often goes along with those family occasions, meeting any granddad friends meeting up. So she'd kind of associated with positive things, which, which, is, which is great. And then she went into the fridge and got me a can of something and brought it to where I was sitting. This is like 3 or 4 p.m. on a Sunday. And I said, what's that? And she goes, oh, I brought you, brought you a beer. You always have a beer about now on a Sunday. And <laughs> at this time, I was still debating whether to carry on with dry jan. And it was, okay, <laughs> this, this is a message the universe yeah. is talking to you, Daniel. Yeah. And I was like, right, you know, because ultimately one of the things, you know, I don't know if you agree with this, Holly, but when it comes down to parenting, you can tell them what you like, mm. but it's only what you do that mm. they take notice of. Mm, mm. You know, you, you are what you do, not what you, you say you are. So it made it very easy for me, actually. It felt like, you know, Siggy and the universe in general was encouraging me to, to think about the example that I was setting. Well, definitely, the, the, my my kids. Well, my eldest, who's nine in particular, has said I'm less grumpy now. Great, and, and, you know. I suppose that's a good thing. Uh, I do think that my drinking during lockdown got worse. <clears throat> right. Um, and I don't know. <clears throat> I think to answer Chris's question, um, I think yeah, I turned forty a couple of years ago now, and I think I enjoyed that. But that you know came the tail end of, of lockdown. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think I just got into bad habits with, with drink and associating, as, as you know, your, your daughter did, mm. with, yeah. you know, meeting social occasions with drink, but to an extent where I was I was binging, really. Yeah. Um, and Chris also asked about, you know, have you found a replacement for that? <coughs> initially, mm. sugar. Wow, I've yeah. always had a sweet tooth, <laughs> but initially, that first month or two, I was just, you know... It's Haribo Central. Wow, I say not was, even chocolate. It's like sweeties. Anything, anything. The kids, okay. uh, you know, <laughs> they would find that their sweetie stash had been uh, ransacked, and uh, yeah, and I don't know. It's, it's. I've definitely had to get a hold of that, but but that was initially the because you know there, there is a lot of sugar in of course in alcohol, is, yeah. so yeah. Uh, that makes sense there. But also, I think yeah, you do have to often substitute one. Addiction is the wrong word, but but um, exercise is another thing that yeah, we've definitely done a lot of since then. I think so, and it certainly helps to get out at seven in the morning in January when it's four degrees. If you had a decent night's sleep, um, that's that's certainly true. But I think for both of us, right, non-alcoholic beer has been yeah, it's been an absolute. That's kept me going. I must say, yeah. it's been really opening before. I went sober. I was quite sneering about, yeah, about alcohol-free. Why would you bother with that? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we <laughs> we were discussing on the run yesterday, weren't we, about how, in actual fact, you know, we now really love non-alcoholic beer. We're just as boring about non-alcoholic <laughs> beer as we were about real beer. Yeah, yeah. But because... have we got to the point now where we actually have forgotten the taste of of proper well. beer? <laughs> I think there may be something in that. Um, yeah, I think there may be something in that. 
However, if it works as a placebo, and also uh, that podcast that I referred to earlier on, actually, I, I think there are, there are some evidence to suggest that some of the benefits that you get from fermentation and the brewing process in making beer or or fermenting wine are actually present in the non-alcoholic version. So this is something I think we, we really want to dig into, and I think we've got yeah. we do actually have a an episode all about non-alcoholic beer. Coming yeah. Up. Absolutely. Mm. There's another question here from um, an anonymous uh, listener. Mm. So thank you very much, Anon. (laughs) Knowing one of you and having boozed heavily with you on many occasions. Goodness, what's coming? He's talking about me, by the way, just for (laughs) point of clarity. Um, How has cutting back, or however you, you may describe your current approach to alcohol, been received by people you have previously indulged Mm. in uh, in the company of? Has it provoked any antagonism at all? Do you feel certain relationships, uh, friendships or associations may lapse because of your abstinence? Mm, I think it's a brilliant question. And I think if we're being honest with our listeners who are contemplating some time away from alcohol, I think it's it's the reality of some of the some of the feedback they'll find from from friends. Right. Mm. I think. I mean, we discussed this a bit earlier today, Cess, and you said it's a bit like you've dumped someone, a really good mate, mm. and you say, well, actually, no, you know, I'm, not, I'm not drinking anymore. Yeah. There's a bit of a betrayal, isn't there? I think so. And I, if I'm honest, I definitely, maybe not in the last two or three years, but say 10 or 15 years ago, if someone had come to me, a really close friend, and said, I'm not drinking anymore... Yeah, I'd, I'd feel a mixture of suspicion, trepidation, betrayal. Yeah, all of those things. And um, I think the reality of those negative reactions are, is that that was probably expressing some uncomfortable feelings about my own issues with alcohol. I was just going to say that because when whenever anyone's protested um, mm. or, or taken offence almost at me not drinking, it's often because they've they've possibly got a little bit of a problem with with drinking themselves or yeah on on some level a mirror has been held up yeah whether consciously or unconsciously it's how they've decided to take that so i i'm very mindful that one has to be very kind about that and and, and try not to take offense yes absolutely once you get past that i find yeah people are curious about it and they want to know more and um I'll often hear that, oh, I need to do that. I need to cut down or sure. I need to, you know, take or, a break. Or people will be quite keen to discuss their relationship with alcohol with you. Yes. At, at, at great lengths, mm. which, is kind of, which is kind of one of the funny things. You end up going to the pub yeah. with people. And unless you've managed to secure a non-alcoholic beer that doesn't look like a non-alcoholic beer, um, you will end up talking to someone about not drinking for the whole time you're in the pub, which is kind of strange <laughs> and, and can become a bit trying at times. But, you know, I, I think it goes. And after a while, people realise, you know, that you're still the same. Yeah. They're still fun to be had. I think I think in, in thinking about um, my reaction to people who had stopped drinking, I, I yeah, I, I, I felt as though, oh, that's a bit, they're, maybe they're a bit, they've lost their spark or something. But having now come on the other side, I feel so energised and, and so confident. Mm. Um, yeah, should we just go through some of the benefits, I guess? Well, I was just going to yeah, say, yeah. the last point 
was was about I was ready for it. Yeah. And I think you can you can want to do it, but un- unless you're truly in your heart mm. ready for it, mm. then it's not worth it's it. It's like anything, isn't it? I think. Yeah. yeah. Unless you've made that kind of internal switch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go through some of the other benefits. Some obvious, some less so. Mm-hmm. Well, your your skin's looking great, Ollie. Thank you. It's yours too. <laughs> Um, you can eat as many peanuts as you like. I've got a bit of a peanut problem. <laughs> if they're in the house, they're going to get eaten, which was a bit of a problem when I used to run a pub. There's always peanuts. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is you can kind of you can kind of eat what you like. You don't seem to put as, yeah. as much weight on, which, you know, for someone as vain as I am, it's pretty good going. <laughs> You're not vain. <laughs> um, yeah, good for your skin, good for your eyes, good for your energy. Weight loss, as you say, time is the big one. Yeah, there's loads more time, isn't there? There's loads more time. Time is 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 the is the big one. You can, yeah. And I think you can. I, I think work's easier as well because you're more stable. So I think, the, but when I speak to people about this, the reality is you will not get that feeling that one gets at half five on a Friday looking at the first can they're about to open. So, spoiler alert, you won't, nothing will be that good again. However, you may miss out on that 10 out of 10 feeling for five minutes, which actually, by the time you're on the second can, is kind of over. But your, your week will be lived at 8 out of 10. Monday is the same as Wednesday, which is the same as Friday, which is... A, and this is great, because actually you're not on this roller coaster of feeling awful. On, actually, I used to start feeling awful um from about 12 o'clock on Sunday onwards because there was a realization that the weekend was over or mm. beginning to be over mm. actually only halfway but I was already kind of mourning the end of the weekend so actually I wasn't even using the whole weekend and um yeah this is this is this has been a big big insight for me and you you had um a good friend contact you who I think has extended dry January yes exactly yeah it's a big up to Jim and he was asking me about Friday nights um, and, and yeah, this, this is, this is the honest answer. Friday nights, we build them up so much in our kind of drinking calendar of the week. It's pretty hard to kind of beat that high. And I think at the moment, if you just in those first few weeks going to the pub and hanging out with people who may or may not be supportive of your decisions, it's a real challenge, I think. So my, my answer is just try and find other things, um, whether that's exercise or, 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 or different uses of time. And once you've created those good experiences, then you'll be able to go back to them. Mm. So it, it does get easier, I guess is what I'm saying. I think um, going to the pub as well in particular um, is, is a challenge. I, there's a, a mate of mine who had this fantastic analogy. So thank you very much, Ross, for this one. He said, if you're not drinking and you're going on and out with, out with people who are, I suppose it could be any... Well, let's say that it's a night out. You, you start on the ground, they start on the ground, but they're in a hot air balloon. Mm. They're all all in the basket. <laughs> there they are with their, with their drinks and you're chatting nicely. And, you know, after about an hour, the light goes mm. and, and, and the balloon starts to float up quite slowly. And uh, it's a bit harder to kind of understand them. They're <laughs> shouting a little bit more. There's a lot of shouting. And then usually for me, about 11, 12 o'clock, 
that's when it gets a bit out of reach mm. and they're shouting a bit too much and Maybe they're a bit incoherent and work. then you just have to wave them off and say, enjoy your hot air balloon journey <laughs> and then you can toddle off home. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of working in the pub actually because the, the thing about working in the pub is that you, you, can't, you can't be drinking every day. So often you'd find this at, you know, at five o'clock, the pub's full of people having a great time, they're really chatty, and it's like a lovely atmosphere, very warm. And, you know, being honest, that's, of course you want a slice of that. Mm. However, by seven o'clock, half seven, they've had a couple by now, they've got a little bit louder. They're further away from you. By nine o'clock, they're so far away from you, and they've started to repeat themselves, started to be a bit annoying. They've probably spilled a couple of drinks that you've had to tidy up, and everything's really funny, and everyone's your best mate. And this is the other thing, for any... They always want to shake your hand. <laughs> Drunk people always want to shake mm-hmm. your hand if you work in a bar. You don't need to shake my hand. But at, at that point, it doesn't seem like fun anymore. So there is, yeah, there's, there's, there's certainly this period when you can go out with people who are still drinking that it's fine and it's fun. And actually they can improve your mood because they're having a mm. great time. But there's a, there's a finite yeah. end to that. So yeah, back to Chris's point, like, I think you, I think you have to bail perhaps a bit earlier. So Perhaps try and get to the pub earlier, or, yeah. or if you've been invited to a party, get there really early, make a real effort to kind of speak to as many people as you can really quickly, because the great thing is you're going to remember every one of those conversations yeah. the next day, which is also another benefit. We'd be interested to hear on how, you know, what your cheat mode yeah. looks like. It does Maybe it does take a while to realise, but it is a mindset thing. So yeah, do... Do let us know. We're on Instagram, Upper Bottom Podcast, and the email address is upperbottompodcast at gmail.com. Please do get in touch. Um, and we're going to move on to a bit of booze, booze news, news yeah. now, aren't we? And there was this great piece in the mirror. Um, I think it was taken from a TV program mm-hmm. uh, that, that's out now. It's, so Billy Connolly was celebrating almost 40 years sober. He's 81 now, the great comedian. And um, his booze nearly killed Sir Michael Caine. Yeah, that's a crazy story. <laughs> this is, I've got to read this out. They were filming the comedy Water on location in St. Lucia in 1984. After a particularly boozy evening, he and Caine were aboard a bus that Billy almost caused to crash off a cliff. In his own words, he was steaming <laughs> and thought covering the driver's eyes would be funny. Horrified star Kane had to intervene to prevent the bus from careering off the edge of an abyss. Um, quite something. And this, the piece goes on to say that Connolly reckons his Irish-Scottish heritage is a factor in his drinking problems. These are, these are quotes from him. Celtic racers, they've got it real bad. They've, they've got a want, a need for that fiery liquid. I don't know why it should be. You test it all the time. It's like, have a drink, it'll relax you after work, and it will. And then you become another guy. Suddenly you're in another world. Hmm. But maybe there is something in that that, I don't know, the Vikings, the Celts, you know, other races, nations, perhaps don't have the same predilection to booziness. I don't know. Oh, that's, I mean, there's, there's episodes in there, I think, that probably we'll need to delve into. I think there is definite um medical ev- evidence if that's the right word that depending on where you you are in in, in the world 
um, your your genes will make you more predisposed to suffer the effects of alcohol. That 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 much is certainly true. C- culturally, yeah, I, I think there's some really interesting things on there. I read a really interesting book once that suggested the more northerly, uh, the more north you were in terms of latitude, that meant that you were probably more predetermined to to take a, a drink like a, like a spirit. So let's think about the Scandinavians, the Russians, the Scots. Um, all, all like the, the kind of fiery stuff. Then the, in the in the middle latitudes, you've got the beer lands, and then in the south of the um, of, of Europe, you've got the wine lands. And if you think about people at with those different alcohols, there's there's certainly a difference in terms of culture. What is interesting is that Billy Connolly, um, as far as I recall, was the 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 voice for Calibre, which was the first ever non-alcoholic beer. Now mm. this must have come out, I'm thinking, in the early eighties. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that he put his name to that at a time when being sober and talking about it was almost unheard of, right? Mm. Fascinating, really. Have you tried Calibre? Uh, I, do you know what I think? Is it still going? I, I don't know if it is, but I've got a feeling it was bought for me at like a party right. when I was like 12 or 13 by my parents. Okay. I think so. Uh, I, I think he's... The phrase he used was... That's interesting. So it beats the kind of non-alcoholic Prosecco, maybe. Yeah, by, by, by 30 years. I wouldn't give a calibre for, for anything else. Be interesting to hear if any other listeners remember Billy Connolly's uh, calibre we'll promo. Have to, we'll have to look it up. I'm sure it's on YouTube or something. Yeah. Um, the second piece of booze news was an interesting piece um, in GQ magazine, Why Creatives Are Getting Sober. And it, it lists, well, three or four... Creatives, so filmmakers, documentary makers, mm-hmm. who have who write about alcohol and you know booze um, soaked experiences, yet have gone sober for for those experiences mm-hmm. for, for um, creative reasons. Um, it's quite interesting. You can look that up. But there, there was some data here from Nelson IQ that said non-alcoholic beer has averaged thirty-one percent growth over four years. Meanwhile, according to Heineken, alcohol consumption among Gen Z specifically has dropped 25% in the last four years. Mm. In the UK, previously known um, over the world as being the booze drinking capital, this is in the piece, Mm. it's not my opinion, uh, there has been a general decline in drinking post-lockdown. And that's according to DrinkAware, with 26% of 16 to 24-year-olds fully teetotal. Well, we touched upon this last week as well. It's good to have another source, I suppose. Yeah, no, really interesting. And this, there may be something in um, how mental health is affecting this and how you know people's understanding of whatever challenges they may have has, has improved and, and, and their relationship with alcohol being part of that. So finally, uh, this one was in The Guardian, um, and it's a product called Safety Shot, and it says it can combat symptoms and drunkenness and reduce blood alcohol so you never lose a day. That's the product. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what it's, they say it, it does. Um, according to Dr. Emmett Roberts, a senior lecturer in addiction psychiatry, the only ingredient listed on the can for which there is any minimal evidence of reducing hangover symptoms is pridoxine, vitamin B6. So the uh, scientific evidence is, is not there for safety shot. Um, but I'm, I'm sure they end up selling a lot of it. So maybe tasty snake oil. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, though, that that, 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 
but it got reviewed and uh yeah there are still people looking for that um for that cure of the hangover well that uh, brings us to the end of of the episode um so thank you for listening and next week we'll be looking at um how hard is the first time without booze mm. um but please do get in touch if you've got any questions, observations, feedback. Yeah, so first times we're thinking of, obviously we've mentioned the pub, but like... What's Weddings, this? funerals. Holidays. Yeah. Yeah, another other first time without a drink. So, um, yeah, get your thinking caps on and, uh, and share anything that you can think yeah. of. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers.